Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode number 32 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Summer Dental Laboratories. And my name is Barbara Wojan from Night Dental Group. All right, we are back to the round table this week. It's been a while. It's a gathering of individuals to discuss a topic in an open format. And today, we are joined by some presidents. We have Tim Stevenson, CDT, president of the FDLA, which is the Florida Dental Laboratory Association. Chris DeLarme, CDT, president of the WSDLA, which is the Washington State Dental Lab Association. And Lonnie Thompson, CDT, president of the ODLA, which is the Ohio Dental Lab Association. I think we have too many acronyms in this industry. I don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> the original idea was to talk about their various state associations, but the conversation quickly turned into regulation, which is a great and important conversation to have. And as some of you remember, Lonnie Thompson was on way back in the early run of this podcast to talk about Ohio, but now she's joined by some other presidents, and they really hash out some really nice ideas. It's a great conversation about regulation. I wish I was there. I can't even begin to explain the struggle of getting this group together. We had work issues, technical issues, flight delays, and I swear I'm not lying, somebody fell off a mountain. But the stars aligned and we finally got together. So join us as we talk about the struggle of being regulated and getting regulated. King Arthur had his knights. Captain America has his Avengers, and dentists have their laboratories. These unique individuals have gathered together to entertain and enlighten all who dare to sit down at the round table and listen to the voices from the bench. I'd like to thank the three people joining us today on the round table. It's an interesting round table. Today we have three people who are presidents of state associations. A lot of states don't have associations, and as you know, recently we lost a big region association. But I'd like to welcome Lonnie Thompson, CDT from Ohio. How are you today, Lonnie? Good morning. I'm fabulous. Excellent. Thank you. I'm doing well. Uh, We have Chris DeLarm, CDT, from Washington State. How are you, sir? Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Uh, Tim Stevenson, CDT from Florida. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. And how about yourself, Elvis, after your enduring the um, physical punishment that you took last week at the uh, triathlon? It was hard to stand there and watch other people do the work because I did not race. I just, oh, you didn't? Uh, ab- no, no. I observed this year. Last year, I uh, I broke my collarbone right before the race. Oh, my gosh. So when it came around again, I really couldn't motivate myself to do it. So, no. so there it well, is. Well, thanks for being there to represent. Absolutely. Lonnie, you didn't stay for the race, did you? I went shopping. Cool. There you go. <laughs> but I gave money. I gave money and went shopping. <laughs> there you go. We'll have to get you a medal for after that. Exactly. For the, uh, <laughs> 
So I asked the three of you guys to be on because state associations within our dental laboratory industry, it's a dying thing. A lot of states have stopped their associations. I know, Tim, in Florida, you guys still have a very strong association. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank goodness. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get involved with the uh, state association in Florida? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I mean, as a older technician, you know, they've been here for a while and I've just learned so much of what I know and my continuing education, which I've, I've always believed in through throughout the years has come from the FDLA, the Florida Dental Laboratory Association. And so I just said, you know, hey, if I'm going to consume some of this, I ought to uh, also be involved with uh, making it work. And keeping it working. And when did you join the association? Oh, goodness. I mean, I started this stuff in late 1982. Woo. Yeah, I know. Been, been in <laughs> out of uh, the a member, per se, of the FDLA on and off. I don't know. It's hard to keep track of. But uh, when Linda and I, my wife opened, and I opened this business in 93, we just made it a commitment to be a member of the FDLA and the NADL. I can't remember if we're, we've been consistent members with the NADL throughout the years, but the FDLA for sure. If you're not currently, we'll talk later off. Okay. Uh, oh, we currently are. I, I do know that. Okay, good, good, I good, do know good. that. So, yeah, I just, you know, after being, a, you know, a consumer of it for so long, you know, I always said, you know, hey, I need to go pay back, if you will. And, of course, while you're trying to build business, raise kids, have family, and, and do all those things, it's hard to find the time commit to a good activist. Absolutely. So something we're going to talk about later between the three of you, but Florida is one of the few states that has dental laboratory regulation, correct? Yes, we do. All right. And I just wanted to check up on that because I I know later we're going to talk a lot about how states need to become regulated. And I know Lonnie's got a lot to say about that. Let's move on. Chris DeLarm out in Washington. So you're kind of way out there. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get involved with the Washington State Association? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So about six years ago, I moved to Washington and went to work with uh, Leon Hermanides at Protea Dental. And most of the industry, I think, at this point knows Leon. I mean, he was at the NADL. He's been heavily involved with the WSDLA for years, involved in many other organizations. And it was always a passion of mine to try to help build this profession in as many ways as I could. Uh-huh. So one of the things that Leon and I talked about when I was um, we were discussing me potentially going to work there was that I wanted to be involved in more things. So when I got there, immediately I got involved in the association and got involved with technical study groups and things of that nature and just fell in love. And I, I learned quickly that if I was going to do anything in this industry to help it, that the WSLA was the way I needed to go. So um as fast as I could, got on the board as soon as there was an opening and kind of hit the ground running. And then as soon as I could start moving up in the ranks, I did. And here I am. Excellent. So you don't own Protea Dental Studio. Leon's the owner of Protea Dental. I am one of two managers there. Okay. No, that's interesting because I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't own the lab I'm at. I'm also a manager, but usually people on boards tend to be owners. And it's good to see non-owners participating in our industry and seeing it progress. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think it's good diversity for the boards as well. We have at the moment, I know two, maybe three um, managers on our board. 
that are not owners and they bring a different perspective. I think it's, um, it's good to have a balance between owners and managers as well. Yeah, I agree. So what's the status of regulation in Washington? Are labs required? No, there's no regulation in Washington at the moment. We are starting now our third year of the battle. Mm. Hopefully third time's a charm. But last year we were so close. We got all the way to the Senate. Um, We passed the House with uh, majority rule. We made it through committee. We got to the Senate, um, had a couple little hiccups. But when we got to the Senate floor, we were the next bill to be voted on. Our lobbyists had assured us we were golden. We had everything wrapped up. And the bill before us had 50 um, amendments on it. It was a bill to do with fish, believe it or not, <laughs> and uh, protecting fish? some like some kind of fish in the area. Ugh. And uh, the 50 amendments just dragged on till the end of the day, and it was a short session, so they closed session, and we have to go back to the drawing board now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so we were we were as close as you could possibly get without being on the governor's desk. Wow. Do you think that's going to guarantee a pass next time? Well, you know, I don't really know. We're we're kind of nervous because um, I think this last year was our golden year to get it done. Now we've kind of raised some eyebrows to um, DSOs mm-hmm. and that, that they're lobbying against us. Fortunately, we do have the Washington State Dental Association fully backing us. Oh, that's good. So we really had nobody stand up against us till the last, till right when we got to committee, the Senate committee last year. And that was when the DSO, the dental support organization, started to voice some concerns. So this year, we're a little nervous that maybe we got big enough last year to get on people's radar. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and before that, we were kind of, you know, had all the support we needed, but we're kind of a little bit still in the shadows, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. So this year is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, everybody knows who we are in Olympia. Um, we're making some some big waves and... Um, you know, just wish us the best of luck. We just got to get started again. Absolutely. Because I know Lonnie, you in Ohio, I know you and your story well. You were on the podcast earlier talking about it. But how did you end up in, well, I know you're involved in everything. So how did you end up on the state association? <laughs> well, this is my at least second go around. I started very early. Even when I was in school, we were invited. It was the the guild back then and we got to go to some of the meetings and I saw the importance of that and then when I started my laboratory in 1979 you know I joined the association and had mentors for whatever reason I was nominated off the floor for a um, secretary's position at that point in time and I'm not sure if I was the only one that would do it or (laughs) if I was wanted Mm -hmm. but um yeah so I went through the ranks way back when in the 80s um, and was and that's when it was connected with Andy Dale and we had the House of Delegates and it was a lot of fun and very interesting because you, there was a real camaraderie with that and I gained a lot of friends and so I've always thought it was really important to be part of, of the association because you learn so much. Mm-hmm. Throughout the years then, thank, you know, you get in and out just like everyone else. But um, I wanted my staff to really be involved with the state association and ABL to get so they can get the same benefits that I did. So um, went through the ranks again and here I am president again. So, but it's all good. I really, I really enjoy it. And I think it's really important. I think those who don't do it, it's a little short-sightedness on their part because the camaraderie, A, and what you gain from it and you learn from it, and the education is what we need to move our industry forward. Does Ohio have a conference? We do. We're, we we have a spring and fall meeting. 
every year. This year um, was a little off year because we are going through registration, as we mentioned before. Um, so we're putting all of our efforts into that right now. In the beginning of January, we had a great meeting where we had roundtables. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. I had the lobbyist there that we had um, hired and are still working with. And he explained to everyone what was going on, why this was important. We wanted to get everybody on board. And he it was a great meeting. And then afterwards, we did just like NADL did different topics and if people moved around the table and it really built a lot of camaraderie between, you know, all of our members. So that's kind of the direction we are for the next few years while we're fighting this as registration um, part of yeah, Ohio. You guys have a, a spring or a fall meeting. Is it open to all members and do most members attend this meeting to listen to these round tables and discussions of from the lobbyists and whatnot, or is it, strictly for the board and the oh no 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 this was for our membership and non-membership um this was for anyone that was in the state of ohio the more that we can get on board the better off we are and mm -hmm. that meeting was such a success that the word will spread that we're that the association is live and and working for the benefit of our industry right now yeah so we but we need to have another one um you know to keep the momentum going yeah it was a just a great meeting to get everybody on board is to you know you know in washington how hard that is to make sure everybody's on board and get funding for it because it does cost quite a bit to do this did you have a lot of non-members attend um it was mostly members but we had probably you know at least 10 non-members and then that's good yeah and then they we followed up trying to get them to join also. We also have a legislative fund effort also because we're depleting obviously our funds and so we need to, to make that the rest to, to get all the way to the finish line. Hey Lonnie, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Um, so, you know, we did something similar when we started off. We had a, a meeting, of, ours was for our members only to discuss lobbying and bringing in the lobbyists and everything. How much pushback did you get? It sounds like you got a lot of people on board. Did you get any kind of pushback? Or, and I don't mean to drop too far off track. Sorry, Elvis. No, go with it. Plan, Please. Did you get any kind of um, any pushback at all? And if you did, what was their concerns and what and what was it? I, I think that's a great question. And I was very concerned about the fact that we would have to push back because that would, you know, hurt the whole thing going forward. But I think what, because we had the lobbyists there, we had done our homework and we could explain everything. The few people that, you know, were on the fence or wasn't sure that this was going, that we should be doing this, got their questions answered. And at the end, everybody was on board. So it was a very interesting because the last thing you want to do is to be down at the state house and you've got somebody down there that says no from the industry that says, no, we don't want this to happen. So we we were covering those bases before we got to the state house. Yeah, no, I like that. We we tried to do the same. We did have some some members that were very concerned that it took, you know, now we're in our third year, it took till now to start to win them over. And they're still, you know, they're a little cautious, but um, so I was just wanting to see where what happened over there. That's great. That's really good that you got everybody on board. Congratulations. I have a question too. Is that um, you know, we're at a disadvantage because the Ohio Dental Association, the dentist, the dental association, is fighting us, and what we're doing is asking dentists that we're all of us are working for to write letters to them because it's short-sighted on their part, really. 
But you mentioned that the DSO was was fighting you. Why are they fighting you? So in Ohio, is it legal for um, corporate dentistry? Is that legal in Ohio? Yes. Okay, so that's the difference that we're fighting in in Washington is that corporate dentistry is not technically legal in the state of Washington, but how they how there's a loophole is that there's a DSO, which is a dental support organization that comes in and says, well, we're going to just manage the financial side, which essentially is corporate dentistry, and we're going to let the dentist still own the practice, oh, which is what Washington yeah. State says. So there's a loophole of how they're getting in. Um, so the WSDA, the Washington State Dental Association, is fully against the DSO, and they're trying to protect their members' rights as dentists. The dentists don't want corporate dentistry. That's how we've kind of, you know, amongst backing each other on other things, that's kind of the, I guess, the alliance that we've built. And at the same time, the DSOs feel that if we get regulated and we've tried to be under a similar entity as the Washington State Dental Association under the Department of Health, that if we get regulated and we get regulated in the same interest entity, then that creates more, it, it creates more options for the state to go after these DSOs if they're not following all the correct guidelines. I see. At least that's kind of, in a nutshell, what's what's kind of going on. So they have come out, the DSOs, and not in, against us, but they really haven't said why. Um, they just kind of throw some things out there that don't really add up to us. But that's what we've kind of put together looking at the whole overview. Interestingly enough, and I hope it's okay, all this, but with the Ohio Dental Association, they're not telling us why either. But, um, and it's, it's really kind of crazy. I have not talked to any of my dentists or a dentist who is not for us being regulated in some form. We're making body parts for heaven's sake. Yeah. So that's why it's, it's baffling that they are fighting us. Um, and the, hopefully we, things are happening that will get them on board eventually because they all obviously have deep pockets to, to fight us, and they're telling part of the legislation things that are untruths. So we're, we're working against all of that. Yeah, I'm very sorry to hear that. I think that's uh, um, a huge – I mean, you got so many good things going on, and that's a huge um, holdback. But it is – I don't – I wish I had some answers. But deal with the corporate dentistry, I think that's the big difference between your state and ours is whether or not that's – how much – how big of a foothold that corporate dentistry has because they do have yeah. deep pockets – and they will continue to do what they want to do. Yeah, how, how are you all's pockets holding up with these battles, Lonnie and Chris? I mean, do you guys still have enough funds to carry on a good battle? It's depleting pretty rapidly <laughs> because it is expensive. NADL helped us for the first for, for the first year. It gave us some funds to, to help us through. But, but now, yes, we need to get um, members to start, you know, putting monies in the coffer also. And, you know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that this is going to happen. <laughs> I will shame them into doing it now. <laughs> but we have a lot of things on our side. We have a lot of media um, that understand this. You know, in Ohio was where that dirty lab business started, which talking. Oh, yeah. um, we had the lead scare. We had a lot of things going on. And, and you talk to any of my patients, any people that friends and everything they're they're appalled that there is not some regulation for a dental laboratory so one way or another we'll we'll get it done good luck to you 
Tim, when did Florida start being regulated? You know, Elvis, I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's got to be between the 25 and 30 year mark that we've been regulated. Wow. Do you know the story of, was there a lot of pushback when that happened? No, Elvis, I wasn't involved at that point with, uh, you know, I was in, I was a member per se. So I'd go to the state meeting where, you know, we'd have our symposium, you know, I was there to, to learn the uh, dentistry stuff, not, not to, you know, my mind wasn't open to the regulation part and what everybody was going sure. through. So no, unfortunately I don't have any of that story to tell. So what does regulation in Florida look like? What is a lab required to do? In Florida, currently, we are required to hold a certain amount of CE credits every two years. And, and of course, we have to register with the state and we get an annual inspection. But this past year, uh, because it's not a requirement to be a CDT, so many of us who are CDTs were doing CE credit to maintain our CDT. Sure. And then also one person in every Florida registered laboratory has to have the accrued credits for CE to maintain the regulation. Well, now they've kind of, they've been able to combine it so that, you know, as long as there's a CDT in the uh, laboratory, utilizing that to uh, satisfy the CE credits for the laboratory regulation standpoint. Yeah, because the CDT is going to get them anyway. Correct. They were slightly different. So, you know, <laughs> we were having to chase two two tails. <laughs> I think that's great, too, because that brings more validity to the CDT. That, that gets, I really love hearing that you have it that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, gosh, the more validity we can get to that, the, the better this whole industry will be. I completely agree. Yeah. And Tim, you said that you're audited yearly? I get inspected. Yes. Every registered laboratory in Florida gets inspected every year by the Department of Health. What does that inspection look like, Tim? Do they just show up one day or is it scheduled? No, it is not scheduled. And yes, they just uh, knock on your door and ask to go through their list of uh, criteria that they that they have. And you know, they go down and, you know, check your uh, your incoming uh, um, procedures and uh, your general cleanliness. Uh, I mean, there's a whole list of uh, circumstances that you need to fulfill. Uh, I, of course, don't know them by heart. Sure. Tim, can I ask you, does that list uh, coincide with like OSHA or your state OSHA regulation? Like who built that list? Where did it come from? Where did the list come from? Oh, that is a good question. Absolutely don't. <laughs> Don't, don't know particularly it, who developed it. I mean, if you're following your OSHA guidelines, are you following within the Department of Health guidelines, or are there two separate guidelines that you have to abide by? Or I'm seeing that they're they're somewhat separate because they're not as what they inspect isn't as extensive as OSHA can be. Oh, okay. I just can't imagine you know that they would uh, you know have the the time to do like what, what an, a complete OSHA inspection would would be. I mean, we're not checking for, um, you know, fire extinguishers or fire hazards or things like that. We're, we're, we're talking about, uh, I wish I had the list with me. I could run down them. It's, um, it's a good list, but it's not too invasive. Okay. Interesting. Are labs allowed to see that list? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, it's a good idea to keep one on hand so that you can, uh, you know, stay on top of it. And we do. And how, 
I don't know if it's the right term, but how harsh are the inspectors? They're, they're pretty reasonable people, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Every inspection we've had, they've uh, been, yeah, very respectful. Um, you know, they ask for, you know, verification of what uh, what they're looking for, and we show them, and they seem satisfied, and, you know, off they go. Of course, I, I haven't come into any issues uh, you know, with what they're inspecting for. So, you know, if there's a, an issue, how intensive it can be. Hey, can I ask you a quick question, Tim? Uh, with As far as with the um, inspections, like your CEs, everything you have, have you had anybody that's been a bad egg or a bad player? And I don't mean to jump the gun, Elvis. No, I apologize. please go. But anybody that's been a bad player or, or like, a, you know, a bad a seed or something that, that these have exposed and shut down. Like maybe, you know, you hear all those, all those bad things all the time about somebody using, I don't know, like pennies in their, as a cast or, you know, these crazy mm-hmm. things. But has there been anybody in Florida that they've come in and said, well, you're not following, you know, your inspection has failed. You don't have your CEs and stuff and we have to either shut you down or you have to reapply. Well, our organization doesn't really track that per se. At least our board of directors doesn't track that. So, you know, I'm not aware of what the department of health, what kind of infractions they've applied to any laboratories out there in the field. So I would, I would okay. hope that with all this effort, you know, something like that has, uh, you know, taken place so that we can, you know, help bring the industry up where it needs to be. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's another goal of legislation to keep the industry at a professional Absolutely. level and safe. I think another, another point of that though is, um, I mean, I think it's great that, that Florida is doing that, but the FDA is is going to come along, and they're going to get stronger. What we're hearing through NADL, I mean, people need to be informed of all of this stuff because at the FDA, it's you, you really have to have all your compliance and all your ducks in a row. And so that's another really good reason to join the associations because we can help you get compliant. Yes, yes, well said. Not- CDTs of being compliant through, you know, all of your processes, which we're under the FDA, we're supposed to be doing anyway. Interesting. Well said. Yes, definitely agree with that. So Chris and, and Lonnie, is this how your bill is set up to be regulated in this same kind of format where an individual needs CE credit and also local inspections? Um, our, ours is, is very similar. We do not have the local inspections, but we are subjected to the Department of Health. If, you, if somebody were to like call a complaint in, then Department of Health could show up. Um, those is, we haven't gotten far enough to have like the details of if they can expect, if they did inspect, what would they look for? We haven't gotten that part laid out yet, but we did sit down when we first originally wrote our bill um, we sat down and we looked at Florida and what they did. We looked at Texas. We looked at a lot of other states. Um, and, and people in the past, like Washington has tried this before, uh, 10, 15 years ago. So we kind of looked and, and picked and chose what we thought would work and then brought it to our membership and had our membership as well help us develop it over time. So we do have the CEs. After a grace period, we a laboratory does have to have a CDT on staff. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain amount of CEs per year. I can pull all the details out. There were some other requirements. They had to pay an annual fee to the Department of Health. It's a very small fee and be registered with the Department of Health as well. What kind of fee are we looking at? That scares a lot of labs. That does. And I, I have to pull the record. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I believe it was set at around like $200, very minimal fee. Sure. Um, we, we worked out with the Department of Health. We worked very, very 
hard very diligently to try to figure out as best we could and guesstimate what this would cost because that was their big concern was they were like we're all good for we're good for this we want to do this with you but we can't add any more cost to the taxpayers so we had to work it out so our fee is just as minimal as possible to cover any any type of cost Thank you, Tim, Chris, and Lonnie. As you probably didn't hear, Barb was not with us during this conversation. Uh, I'm sure she was off doing something. I don't know. What were you doing? Another podcast? I can only tell you that it was business related. I was either at FACD, possibly Florida Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, or uh, another board or something that I serve on. I uh, try to give back as much of my time as I can. And if I'm going to miss this podcast, it better be for a good reason. So I'm assuming that was what it was, but... September is so far gone. My brain is on October, November, so I can't even tell you. But <laughs> really unfortunate that I did miss it, but you did really well. So, And so did our guests. You're not cheating on us doing another podcast, are you? No, this is my only one, and it takes up all my time. So, no. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you missed it. But yeah. be sure to check out VoicesFromTheBench.com if you want to learn more about these wonderful technicians who have volunteered to make their industry stronger in their state. And Lonnie, who of course is helping us at the national level with us on the NADL. We are always looking for more individuals who are on state and regional boards that want to participate in another roundtable discussion. I think the word needs to get out and we need to promote the importance of getting involved in our industry on any level. So if you're interested, send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com. I would love to do a roundtable with some of you uh, technicians out there becoming presidents in 2019. Please do. We're trying to get everybody involved that we possibly can. And I think that the more people that listen to our podcast, hopefully the more people will be interested in these things. So hopefully uh, we'll bring that avenue to technicians that wouldn't normally think about it. But it's really important to give back your time and invest in your industry and make changes and, you know, get into a little bit of politics. I'm not a complete fan of politics, but I think it's important to stay plugged in. I think it's just important to be involved outside of your lab for the greater good of the industry. Yep. Plus, we're thinking if we can get everybody in the industry on as a guest, we'll eventually have everybody in the industry as a listener. Thank you to those of you that listen to us every week or that have in passing listened to us. We genuinely appreciate it. I actually have some people uh, at Night Dental that have come up to me and said they're really enjoying it. So thank you. We appreciate it. We genuinely do. We hope to bring important subject matter and you know passion and just everything that we do uh, we want to bring it to you guys so thanks for listening my own father told me today at brunch that he's listened to a few episodes which is quite impressive since my father is nowhere in relation to this industry but he still gave it a listen and said we did a good job so i think that's neat so it is neat you know, uh, we're going to keep giving back and we're not going to give up. We're going to be on episode 2000, uh, you know, one day. And um, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Keep listening and, and tell your friends and like us on Facebook. I'll be the Elvis of the episode. Like us on Facebook. <laughs> Check us out. Email us. Um, get in touch with us if you want to be on or you, you, you just want to. I don't know, refer a friend or somebody that you think is interesting or something that's interesting, please let us know. Voicesfromthebench.com. 
Also, it's been a while since we've had an iTunes review, and Barb and I are starting to feel a little unloved. Mm -hmm. So please, next time you listen, which is right now because you're listening, give us some stars and write us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Alrighty, that's all we got for this week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye. Calling him sir is like calling you ma'am. I I don't really mean it.